So I remember a few years ago, um, Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day uh, just happened to fall on the same day that year. The last time that it happened was something like 1945. And so, of course, there were like a lot of people who were drawing attention to this. And um, there's a priest um, named J. Sidebotham who's also a cartoonist. So he drew a cartoon about this. And the caption of the cartoon said, Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day both fall on February 14th, a win-win for the greeting card industry. So one card said, Roses are red, violets are blue, Lent is beginning, no chocolate for you. <laughs> Another one said, we have not loved you with our whole heart. And then there was this little Cupid that had this really like pointed, accusing look on his face saying, would you mind working on that? <laughs> but my favorite one was, won't you be my Valentine, you miserable offender? <laughs> And you know what made those cards so ridiculous is that they brought together two things that seem so opposite from each other. So the, the sweet sentimentalism of Valentine's Day alongside the sort of perceived misery and austerity of Ash Wednesday and Lent. But as I reflect on it more, I realized that those two days have more in common than I thought. They both have to do with love. So the organ, the heart, is the organ of love. And Jesus said, you know, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The prophet Joel writes, yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. So we typically think of our heart as representing our feelings, like that emotional part of us, and then our mind represents like our rational thinking. But the Hebrews really had no such bifurcation of thought and feeling. Like the heart was simply the center of a person. It's like the seat of your personality. So it's your emotions, your feelings, your will, your desires, all rolled into one. So the heart is really what makes you, you. There's this writer named um, James K.A. Smith, and he wrote a book called You Are What You Love. And he makes the argument that contrary to what Descartes promoted, what matters most about being human is not, I think, therefore I am. Like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 says that you can have a lot of knowledge about God, but if you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. So we are first and foremost lovers. But to be human is to love. And the goal of following Christ and being a Christian is not about increasing our knowledge about God and getting our beliefs correct. So as Smith writes, he says, it's about forming our loves, aligning our loves and longings with God, to want what God wants, to desire what God desires, to hunger and thirst after God and crave a world where God is all in all, 
a vision encapsulated by the shorthand, the kingdom of God. Now at this point, um, I might start talking about Lent as a time to give up or take on spiritual practice that then help form our love for God and our neighbor. And I will say that as a word about that in just a second. But it's really not our love that is the starting point for Ash Wednesday. It's the God who says, return to me with all your heart. Like who says something like that? A lover says something like that. The God who is love, the God who longs for us, the God who says things like, you are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. I remember hearing um, a definition of faith that I had never heard before, and I'm, no, I'm not getting it correct, but it was something like, faith is like relaxing. It's relaxing in the presence of someone who is very fond of you. Faith is relaxing in the presence of someone who is very fond of you. So have you, ever, have you ever had somebody like that in your life? You know, like, what do you like when you're around that person? Like, when I'm with my family, I am hilarious. And you might find that hard to believe, but I'm actually like the comedian of our family. Like, I crack jokes, I make them laugh, they think I'm funny. Why? Because when I'm with them, I feel free. Like, my walls are down. I'm not afraid or self-conscious when I'm with them. I've got, like, nothing to prove to them. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they love me. Now, I know that's not true of all of us with our families, and I'm like beyond grateful that that is true of mine. But I am more my true self when I'm with them because I know, believe, and trust that they are fond of me, that I'm loved by them. When we talk about fasting for Lent, the point is not to like flagellate ourselves by depriving ourselves of some indulgence just to prove that we're like good enough or spiritual enough. Rather, it's to free us from whatever it is that keeps us from our true selves in God and to free us from whatever it is that has malformed us from loving God, our neighbor, our world, ourselves more fully. So St. Augustine had a Latin phrase he used, incurvitus in se, which literally means curved inward towards the self. So you can imagine what that would look like for someone to be so curved inward towards themselves, they're just like bent down, you know, their head is down, and they're unable to see anything other than the self. And that's really, I think, uh, like a vivid picture of what sin is, like sin that deforms human beings who are made in the image of God. And there's no lack of examples where we see this, you know, especially in the headlines. Like we look at what's happening in the Ukraine. You know, Vladimir Putin is someone who has spent a lifetime becoming so curved inward towards himself that he cannot see anything or anyone except himself. You know, politics is personal. And when someone like that is in a position of power, it always results in human suffering, always. And now Putin and I, personality-wise, are probably pretty different, I hope. <laughs> and it's easy to point out his malformation. It's all over the headlines. But we both 
suffer from incurvitus in se. It just manifests itself differently and to a different degree in my life. So Putin wants to dominate. I want to disappear. He has an inflated sense of himself, and I have an inadequate sense of myself. But in either case, it's still the self, whether it's inflated or inadequate, that dominates the landscape of our consciousness. And both are lies because they are not the true self in God, created to love God, others, our world, ourselves, as God loves us. And we don't start this way in life, right? Like who we are today is a result of a lifetime of formation, you know, of circumstances and habits and these small decisions that have formed us, both that which was in our control and wasn't. And part of why I appreciate Lent so much is that I know even if it's just once a year, Lent comes and it gives us the opportunity as a community to just stop and take stock of our posture, you know, to go from this like curved inward towards self posture to this, you know, to standing up in the presence of God. And we do this under the gaze of God that is so loving towards us and fond towards us, you know, arms outstretched towards us saying, return to me with all your heart, return to your true self, return to being the lovers that I created you to be. You know, maybe our, our, our posture is, you know, it's, it's even more like this, just like outstretched, ready to receive the love of God and ready to give the love of God in this season. So what can help us stand up more fully? Well, that's what Lenten practices are about. It's about giving something up that we suspect has been making us curve inward towards ourselves and or taking something on that helps us to stand. Oftentimes, they're two sides of the same coin. So what might that be for you? So we were talking about this idea, and Ian Trevithan, who many of you know, he was like likening that posture to like literally being like hunched over your laptop. You know, he was talking about like, you know, how our shoulders get all tense and tight and rigid. And I've got the same problem. Like I'm like, have these, like my, my neck muscles are like rocks, you know? I've got the same problem. And that body posture can be representative of our anxiety, our need to perform, and to constantly be posting stuff in order to get affirmation from others, whatever it may be. So maybe a Lenten practice is that at 5 or 6 p.m., you know, whenever it starts to come to the close of the workday, it screens off until after breakfast. Giving up screens, but taking on presence you know, to yourself and to your loved ones. Maybe it's a habit that you have of speaking mockingly or condescendingly about the other side, you know, whoever the other side is for you. You know, people who have different political or theological or social views from, from, than you do. You know, it's so, so easy to do that, right? And maybe a Lenten practice is that when that urge comes, you just say nothing and you pray. You know, maybe you call to mind those hard words of Jesus, love your enemies. Bless them, pray for them, do good to those who persecute you. And maybe right now, that's all you can do. Like, you can't even pray right now for your enemies. But you just remember that verse 
in those moments and you call it to mind. And when you do, it's just a small practice. It's expanding your heart just a little bit more to be a little more like Jesus. This Lent at our Thursday night uh, formation gatherings, our theme is Jesus, remember me, where we're focusing on the body and all the ways that we have been malformed in relationship to the body, our own and others. We have a disordered relationship with our bodies as a society, rooted in shame, whether that's shaming others or being shamed, valuing some bodies and devaluing others. It's personal, it's systemic. You know, I've been saying as we've been talking about this and getting ready for it, that for a faith tradition like Christianity that has the incarnation at the heart of it, God becoming a human being, taking on human flesh, we are so disembodied. And so our bodies need to be remembered, you know, back into wholeness, back into becoming a whole person the way that God intended. So there might be a practice that helps us remember our bodies. They're part of loving ourselves, not in that curved inward sort of obsessive way, but in standing fully before God in our true self's way so we can love more fully. Because we can't love others as God does if we can't love ourselves as God does. So here's a simple practice. Alicia, Kelly, and I were talking about this terrible we have, habit we have of skipping lunch. We just get so caught up in what we're doing and working, we forget to eat, or we're eating and we're working at the same time at our computers. So we just made this commitment when we're together in the office that for Lent, we're going to take a real lunch break. So we cannot eat and work at the same time, and we have to go outside for at least 15 minutes for a walk, right? That's a good, that's a good practice, right? And, you know, maybe it's starting every day with just a simple 10-minute body scan, you know, just to remember that you've got a body, that you are a body, and giving it love, you know, loving attention. And we'll have some resources to share with you about that soon. So in just a moment, um, I'm going to say these words of our liturgy that invite us to a holy Lent. And for those of you who choose to do so, you know, you'll be able to come forward and receive the imposition of ashes and hear these words, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. We're mortal, we're frail, but as Psalm 103 says, that as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us because he remembers that we are dust. I will pray Psalm 51, you know, that great expression of just repentance and confession and what's called the litany of penitence in the Episcopal Church. And if you've never prayed it before, it's a doozy. <laughs> it covers just about every sin in the book, you know, every way that we are curved inwards as human beings. And there may be some for you that resonate personally and some that don't, and that's okay, because we pray this as a community, as the church of Jesus Christ and the body of Christ in this world, in and behalf of our world. It's this plural we and not just me, because we stand together. As we do that, you know, traditionally, you know, kneeling is the posture that we take um, in Lent and on Ash Wednesday, just to show our humility before God throughout this time. But this time, in this Lent, I'm going to invite you to stand in our confession when we get to that part as a way of embodying this Godward posture, that we will no longer be curved inward towards ourselves, 
but will rise and stand up and step out into God's light and God's presence, inviting God to do that deep work of transformation in us over these, these next days. So we confess as, as a we, but um, in just a moment, um, I want to give us um, a little bit of time to just reflect on the me for a second. As Lent begins, as I said, Ash Wednesday begins with the love of God for us, God's fondness for us, as we open up these very tender places in our lives and hearts before God. And so maybe tonight, even just to ask, you know, how do I think God sees me? When I imagine God looking at me right now, like what is the expression on God's face? What are the feelings that I sense God feels towards me? How have my loves, my love for God, my neighbors, our world, myself, been malformed? Where have I gotten away from the Lord? And how might God be calling me to return with all of my heart? And what are the practices that come to mind? And can I make a commitment to them tonight over these next 40 days? So I invite us, let's just take a moment of, of quiet just to sit with these questions, you know, whichever one sort of resonates with you, and then I'll invite us um, into this holy light. God, we need you. And each one of us has come here today because we long for transformation. We long to be more free. We long to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so God, we invite your Holy Spirit to come and fill us, and to help us, and to come alongside. I pray for each one of my friends gathered here tonight, that today would be a day of just standing up and opening our hearts and allowing your spirit to search out those deep places, not in a way that makes us afraid or ashamed, but relaxing in your presence because we know that you are fond of us so come and help us, God. We long to be free. We long to be healed. We long to be whole. We pray this in your name. Amen.